Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua 8 as we restart or pick up our study of the book of Joshua. Last time we looked at Joshua, Israel was defeated at the battle of Ai because of Achan's sin. Achan, at the battle of Jericho, took some forbidden uh, plunder from the Jericho people, some gold, silver, and a robe from Babylonia. And uh, of course that was forbidden and the judgment fell upon the people of God and, and 36 people lost their life in the battle, the first battle of Ai. And so today we're coming to the second battle of Ai where the people of God get a do-over. When I was a, a, a young person at, and living in uh, my town, we had a great neighborhood full of other boys that loved to play ball. And our backyard was a great baseball field. The corner of the house was first base. We had a hubcap that was second base. Third base was a small pecan tree. And then I think we actually did have a home plate, which was pretty fancy for those days. But third base being a pecan tree led to a lot of controversies. The fence was shorter down the third base line, so everybody was trying to hit it out over that. And so, of course, everybody said, foul ball, you know, and how do you tell with a pecan tree being there? So we had to do a lot of do-overs when people hit it down the third base line because there was always a dispute about whether it was fair or foul. Well, the people of God get a do-over here in Joshua 8. So let's stand together, if you're able, to, uh, for the reading of God's Word. Joshua chapter 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only as spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. So Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go up to Ai, and Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them out by night. And he commanded them, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you remain ready. And I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and when they come out against us just as before, we shall flee before them. And they will come out after us until we have drawn them away from the city, for they will say, They are fleeing from us just as before. So we will flee before them. Then you shall rise up from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will give it into your hand. And as soon as you have taken the city, you shall set the city on fire. You shall do according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them out, and they went to the place of ambush and lay between Bethel and Ai, to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent that night among the people. Joshua arose early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the fighting men who were with him went up and drew near before the city and encamped on the north side of Ai with a ravine between them and Ai. He took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. So they stationed the forces, the main encampment that was north of the city and its rear guard west of the city. But Joshua spent the night, that night in the valley. And as soon as the king of Ai saw this, he and all his people, the men of the city, hurried and went out early to the appointed place toward the Arabah to meet Israel in battle. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled in the direction of the wilderness. So all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue them. And as they pursued Joshua, they were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. 
They left the city open and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city, and the men in the ambush rose quickly out of their place. And as soon as he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it. And they hurried to set the city on fire. So when the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke of the city went up to heaven, and they had no power to flee this way or that. For the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city, and that the smoke of the city went up, then they turned back and struck down the men of Ai, and the others came out from the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And Israel struck them down until there was left none that survived or escaped. But the king of Ai they took alive and brought him near to Joshua. When Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness, where they pursued them, and all of them to the very last had fallen by the edge of the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. And all who fell that day, both men and women, were twelve thousand, all the people of Ai. But Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out the javelin, until he devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as their plunder, according to the word of the Lord that he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it forever a heap of ruins as it is to this day. And he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset Joshua commanded, and they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raised over it a great heap of stones which stands there to this day. At that time Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, just as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the Law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel he wrote on the stones a copy of the Law of Moses which he had written. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native-born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law, there was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It is great to be in a new year. We always look forward with hope, especially in the difficult times in which we live. Uh, in the midst of a pandemic that's again rearing its ugly head, we hope for, uh, for a better year this year as usual. I looked up a few quotes about the new year and was very disappointed at what I found because all the quotes about the new year and entering the new year are all about what you need to do and uh, your effort. And I know myself after living the number of years that I've lived that... Uh, you know, resolutions will only take you so far. I usually forget after about two weeks the diet that I start every year. It's gone by the two weeks, maybe a month or two in, and, and then I'm back to where I was at the beginning. So I'm very jaded uh, about New Year's resolutions. Well, I'll read a few of them. 
what the new year brings to you will depend a great deal on what you bring to the new year. Oh dear. Never underestimate the power you have to take your life in a new direction. Um, I've seen about 50 years of failure there. So I know, uh, I, I've, I don't need to uh, uh, underestimate the power. I know very well my power. Your present circumstances don't determine where you can go. They merely determine where you start. That's not so bad. It's never too late to be what you might have been. That's just sad, isn't it? That's for failures like me. New year, a new chapter, new verse, or just the same old story? Ultimately, we write it. The choice is ours. But here's the good one that I read, and this is from G.K. Chesterton, the only Christian that I knew of on the list. The object of a new year is not that we should have a new year, is that we should have a new soul. And that's pretty good. A new soul, a new beginning. Well, we like the new year because it is an opportunity to get a fresh start, a new beginning, an opportunity to do over like the people of Joshua get here. And this, this passage is the perfect passage to look at at the new year. And uh, you're probably thinking, what in the world is this really violent battle in, in this Middle Eastern country got to do with New Year's and, and our resolutions and, and hope for the future? Well, hopefully I'll uh, lay it out there for you in just these few minutes that we have together this morning. So... Uh, as you know, chapter 7, uh, there was a failure at Ai because of Achan's sin. Achan took the plunder that he was not allowed to, the stuff devoted to destruction. And then here in chapter 8, they get the do-over. They get to go back to Ai, and the Lord gives them the, the details. Well, there's four things that we can pull from this passage that are perfect for us to think about for the new year. Number one, success comes from the Lord. Two, provision comes from the Lord. And three, judgment comes from the Lord. And finally, four, covenant renewal comes from the Lord. Well, the first thing we see is that success comes from the Lord. Notice throughout the passage, as is true of the whole book of Joshua, the focus on the victories, uh, the, 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 the giver of the victory is the Lord in every respect. And it's repeated over and over again. Verse 1, uh, about halfway through, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land. And that's why he says, do not fear, do not be dismayed. Yes, they beat you before, but I'm going to give them into your hand. The Lord gives the battle plans to Joshua. You're going to lay out an ambush against the city behind it. So the Lord is laying out how they're going to go about getting it. It's all from the Lord. He relates it to Joshua. And then Joshua relates it to, to, the, to his army in verse 8. You shall do, Joshua says, you shall do according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you because God commanded me. When it's time to execute the ambush in verse 18, after the people come out of the city of Ai, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. I will do it. I will do it. I will give it. God is doing this. Now, obviously, this battle was much different than the first battle of Ai. They were defeated. Everybody's heart melted within them. Joshua's crying out to the Lord. And then the Lord responds to Joshua and says in verse 10 of chapter 7, 
Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. The real problem at the first battle of Ai is that the Lord was not with them because they had sinned and they were separated from the Lord. They had broken the covenant. You remember back in uh, chapter 6, the battle of Jericho, God again gave them this great victory over a mighty fortress, the fortress of Jericho with its great walls. And they really didn't have to do anything but march around and blow some trumpets and then shout. And everything came tumbling down. And they went in and took the victory. It was through the power of God that the fortress of Jericho was laid waste. But without the power of God, without the presence of God with them, not even the tiny city of Ai could be conquered. And the same is true for us. The great things that the, God can do great things through us if we have his presence, if we have a relationship with him, if we're walking in his ways and his path. But if we're going off on our own and doing our own thing, there will be no success. Ralph Davis in his commentary says, How utterly dependent God's people are upon God's power for any success. Now as we enter a new year, we want to have success. But what is success for you? What is success for you? A lot of people want to be wealthy, powerful, popular. Those are things that uh, are foremost in many people's minds. But for the believer, for the Christian, what is success? And that is really what God is trying to get them to see. It's covenant faithfulness to the Lord. To have that relationship with Him, to walk with the Lord. And God will grant them success at whatever He wants them to be. He wants this people, here in Joshua 8, to be His people. And He wants to give them the land that He's promised to their forefathers. But they have to be faithful to Him. They have to mind the covenant and, and live in relation to God, not go off on their own like Achan did. And the same is true for us. Success for us, whatever that might be, uh, is whatever the Lord has for us. That's the best thing. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And if we're walking in relationship with him in that covenant, it, it, we are bound to the Lord and we're faithful to that, then he's going to lead us. We will say, Lord, what would you have me to do? How have you gifted me? What would you call me to do? That doesn't necessarily mean that the Lord wants us to be you know, rich or powerful or popular. It might mean just the opposite. But we'll have the good opinion of the only person in the universe that matters, God. We'll be walking in his paths, in his ways, before his face, with his, with his face shining down upon us, with his smile. How would the Lord have you live your life in 2022 and beyond? That's the measure of success. And unless you're walking with the Lord, unless you're in relationship with the Lord, you can't have that. So as we enter this new year with all of its challenges, let's remember that lesson. Success comes from the Lord, and it's success as the Lord defines it for you. I don't know what your success is, what the Lord would have you to be or do. Maybe the Lord wants you to be 
wealthy and powerful and popular. But maybe not. But whatever it is, it will be the best thing for you because God always has your best interest at heart if you are his child. So that's the first thing. Success comes from the Lord. Provision also comes from the Lord. At Jericho, the people were not allowed to take anything. They couldn't take any spoil. They couldn't take any of the livestock. Everything was to be devoted to destruction. And, of course, that's where the problem set in. Achan did not honor that. He took some of the things that were devoted to destruction. But there's a difference in Ai. Chapter, uh, verse 2, the Lord says, at the second part of uh, third sentence, or second sentence in chapter 2, its spoil and its livestock you shall take for plunder uh, as for yourselves. You can do, that. do it here at Ai. You can take the plunder. And then in verse 27, the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as their plunder according to the word of the Lord that he commanded Joshua. If Achan would have been patient, what a difference it would have made. 36 people would still be alive. Israel would not be discouraged with, with a defeat. If Achan would have just trusted the Lord, because in the next battle, the Lord is going to allow Achan and all the rest, if they would have been faithful, to, to get the plunder and the livestock. And that's a lesson we need to learn as we enter 2022, with all of its anxieties, maybe you've got anxieties about your health and COVID that's going around. Maybe you have anxieties about money or jobs or your financial position or, you know, what would the Lord have you to do? You, you don't like your job. You want to change jobs. You don't have a job. You need a job. Or maybe there's a relationship problem, whatever it might be. The Lord will provide for you. Psalm 37, 25 says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. God will provide, just like he provided for Israel here. He wasn't uh, going to provide them plunder and livestock from Jericho. He was going to do it at Ai, and then, then later on down the line he will do it. God has a plan, and it may not be on our timing or terms, but we can trust him to provide everything that we need. Of course, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, says, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They're birds. Are you not of more value than they? And of which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like any one of these. And of course he goes on and says, do not be anxious. God will provide. Your, your loving Heavenly Father will provide everything you need in 2022 and beyond for whatever amount of time he has for you to be on this earth. Achan fell into the sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve, by not trusting that God had their best interest at heart. They doubted God's provision. The serpent says, did God really say this? Did God really promise that? Oh, God's just trying to keep something from you that's good. He's trying to impoverish you in some way by not allowing you to eat this fruit. He knows that you'll be like him if you eat it. 
And that's where it, what happened with Adam and Eve. They fell into that trap. That's what happened to Achan. He fell into that trap. Again, Dr. Davis in his commentary says, God never seeks to impoverish his people. It is only as his people lose sight of his generosity, his provision, his goodness, that the cancer of covetousness consumes them. God provides. God is good all the time to his people. And so as we think about 2022, again, if we are in a relationship with the Lord, we can trust our loving Heavenly Father to provide for us. With all the anxious thoughts that we have about the future and about this year and all the problems that we see around us in the world, God will provide for his people. You can count on him. Trust him. Don't be like Achan. Well, thirdly, tells us here that judgment comes from the Lord. This battle that wiped everybody out of Ai, we need to remember that this battle itself was a judgment from God for the abominations committed by the Canaanites or the Amorites. Um, the people of Israel were God's instrument of justice upon these people for all the children that they sacrificed to their gods, for all the wicked sexual sins in which they were engaged, and many other abominations that they committed. And that's why these battles are so gruesome. It's a picture of God's judgment and that God takes sin seriously. And then they took the king of Ai, and it says in verse 29, look at that one. Uh, Joshua, he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, Joshua commanded, and they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raised over it a great heap of stones, which stands there to this day. So the king of Ai would have been executed before he was hung on a tree. And he was hung on a tree uh, as a sign to everyone. It was a sign to all that the king of Ai and all his people had been placed under the judgment and curse of God. He was hung on that tree as a representative for his people. So when anybody looked at the king of Ai standing there or hanging there, it was a sign, it was a statement that God had executed a judgment not just on the king of Ai but on everybody who was a loyal subject to the king of Ai. They were all under the curse, and they were destroyed for their sin. It would have been a warning to everyone, the people of God or any bystanders who, survived, who may have not been from Ai, who were around. It was a warning that God takes sin seriously. And it was a provision in the law of God that Moses gave to the people before they ever came toward the promised land. Deuteronomy 21. If a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day for a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. And that's why they took the body down, to remove the curse 
because judgment had been executed. Well, of course, this should remind you of someone. Jesus Christ was hung on a tree. And Paul says in Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written in Deuteronomy 21 that we just read, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Christ redeemed us by hanging on a tree. He hung there not for his own sin because he was sinless. He was not like the king of Ai in that respect. The king of Ai was guilty as well. But like the king of Ai, he hung there as a representative for his people. He died there in our place. He bore the wrath of God for us so that we, we would not have to die. Isn't that wonderful? That's the good news about Jesus. He was cursed for us. He took the curse that rightfully belonged to us. God takes our sin that seriously, that he allowed his only son to be hung on a tree, his sinless son to be hung in our place and cursed in our spot that we deserved. So that, as Paul says, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, which is, I will, I will bless all the nations through you, Abraham, all the nations will be blessed through you. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's most everybody here. Probably everybody here is a Gentile. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith, the down payment of our adoption and our receiving all the prom, all the, all that Christ uh, got us through his life, death, and resurrection. So judgment comes from the Lord but it comes upon the Savior and not upon us. So as we think about 2022 and, and you know, what we're hoping to do, we need to be in relationship, we need to be in a relationship with Christ so that we can know He's going to help us to succeed at what He would have us to do and that He'll provide for us because He's provided the greatest thing, that's salvation for us. And if he's saved us for himself, how will he not give us all things? The important thing is to walk with the Lord. And that brings us to the fourth thing. The covenant renewal comes from the Lord. God provided a way for his people to renew their covenant. Think of it like a renewing your marriage vows. You know, a couple is married for 50 years or so, and then they have a covenant renewal, or I mean a, 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 a renewal of their vows kind of like they get married again, but they're already married. They're just saying their vows once again to reiterate it, to refresh and renew them, to put, a, to put an exclamation point upon it, and to think about it and rejoice in it all. And that's what they're doing here in verse 30 and following. This is from Deuteronomy 27, commanded by Moses. Now they're carrying out what he commanded. At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses. An altar of uncut stones, a bunch which no man has wielded an iron tool. And there they offered their burnt offerings and peace offerings. And in this covenant renewal ceremony, they also heard the law read. The terms of their relationship 
was read out. The terms of their relationship between themselves and the Lord. And they heard the law. And here's my favorite part of this, this whole account, verse 33. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native-born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, etc., etc., so on, to bless the people of Israel. All Israel, sojourner as well as native-born. So you had people who were not native-born Jews in this group. You had some Egyptians. You had other nations that had joined in. You had Rahab and her entire family. And they're welcomed in, and they become part of the covenant people of God. They now have a relationship with the Lord. All the promises of his word are theirs as well. And they're renewing that commitment to the Lord here before Mount Ebal. Isn't that wonderful? Well, we don't follow Deuteronomy 27 today. We have our own covenant renewal ceremony. It's right here before us. The Lord's table. New Year's is a time where we make resolutions about our health. You know, we're going to lose weight. We're going to exercise. Uh, we're going to do the right things to make sure our bodies are fit. Or maybe you're more intellectual. You're going to do a better job of educating yourself, going to turn off the TV, read more books, or not watch the drivel that you watch on TV, or play games on your phone, or whatever it might be. Or you're going to get rid of some old bad habits that you have. But most of us, if we're honest, we'll forget those resolutions in a couple of weeks or months into the year and be back to our old rut. Well, I want to tell you today, the Lord's Supper is the only resolution you need. That's the only one you need. This is a, an opportunity for us to think about the terms of our relationship with the Lord. And you'll have 24, somewhere around 24 opportunities here at First Presbyterian Church in 2022 to renew your relationship with the Lord. Every first Sunday of the month, every third, uh, in the mornings, and every third Sunday in the evening service. Terry Johnson has written an article about this. He's a pastor at, uh, at uh, Independent Press in Savannah, Georgia. The Lord's Supper is the Christian Passover in which, as with many covenantal meals before it, the agreement between the two participating parties is ratified or confirmed. Jesus announced, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. By participating in the meal... The covenant with Christ is ratified and confirmed. God confirms his promise to redeem those who come to him through the cross of Christ. That's what he does. Communicants, in turn, promise to be faithful servants of the Christ whom they trust. This is us dealing with God. This is the point at which our commitment to Christ, whether you're a believer or not, when we announce the, the Lord's table and we talk about it and we come to it, it is at this point that everyone here, their commitment to Christ is either refused or ratified. If you don't come, if you're not a believer or if you're unrepentant, 
then you're refusing that relationship with Christ. If you are a believer, this is your call to come and renew your commitment to the Lord, to, to remember once again what he's done for you and, and all that he has for you because of his life, death, and resurrection. Christ beckons us to his table. He wants to have a relationship with all of us. And that's the way that we'll have success and provision and all that we need in this life. So this year, as you come to the table, think of it as you doing business with God. I'm renewing my commitment to the Lord. I am remembering all that he's done for me. I'm participating by faith in what he's done for me. That's the resolution you need this year, to continually be coming to the Lord, to refresh that, have that, have that fresh commitment to, to the Lord, and to walk in relationship with the Lord and all these things will be added to you. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about any of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. All you need is Jesus, and the table is a place for us to renew our vows, renew our relationship with the Lord, just like a, an old married couple, renewing their vows to one another, loving one another. We're seeing how the Lord loved us, and we're saying, Lord, you love me so much, I want to love you back. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us this provision of the Lord's table, of the Lord's supper that we can renew our commitment to you as we see demonstrated for us your commitment to us. And Lord, we do pray that you would revive us, renew us, and help us to, to have a commitment this year to walk with you closely, to be your children, your friend, to, to walk in that covenant relationship that, that we're bound to one another, to constantly walk in light of that, to throw away sin, to get rid of the covetousness and all the things that don't matter or that are outright sinful. And Lord, we pray that our hearts would be bound to you and not to the things of this world that we love, the sinful things, even the good things of this world that we love more than you, idols of the heart. Forgive us, Lord, renew us, cleanse us, and help us all, Lord, to do business with you in these next few minutes as we come to the table or as we don't come to the table. Lord, we pray that we would all reckon with ourselves about what is the nature of our relationship with you. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to make it right. And Lord, we know we can't do anything, but just come to you. You invite us to come. And I pray that everyone would come to you this morning with faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.